only a couple of years into my uh, architectural practice, I decided, you know, that this, this just was not, uh, for me, you know, in, in many ways. And, um, so I've managed to kind of hold on to these two worlds. You know, I work full time at Adidas and, uh, really enjoy that. You know, as a mentor of mine told me, I'm building houses for feet, which I think is very true. Um, in these times of fast change, have you ever thought architecture might be falling a bit short and wondered what's next? Well, let's find out. My name is Luca De Stefano. I'm one of the founders of Nonei, and this is Boundary Breaking Businesses Beyond Architecture. Designers and commissioners of tomorrow speaking today. Episode 5, Part 1 Career Change. Hello everyone and welcome back at Beyond Architecture. I want to ask you a question. How many times have you thought architects can only be architects? With an architecture degree, there is nothing else you can do. Today, we are going to prove you wrong. It's kind of a broad discussion, so it will be split in two parts. Moving on to our guest. Our guest is the team lead at Didas for Computational Design digital technologies and pattern engineering. More importantly, he's one of the founders of Out of Architecture, which we could define a career advice firm, helping many applying their design talents into new roles. Our guest is going to tell us more about it. I'm just going to quickly introduce him. We connect with the US because today at Beyond Architecture, we talk with Jake Rudin. Did I pronounce it right? Jake very Rudin. yes it's Rudin it's very <laughs> close but um you know Luca when you say when you say my name with an Italian accent it actually improves it so dramatically that <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't correct you <laughs> oh thanks well I mean I, I'm gonna tell you something in confidence we recorded a pilot episode with my co-founder and we are both Italian so there was a lot of Italian accent in there I'm not I'm not sure we will release it but just so you know yeah this exists. Oh. Please, you absolutely should. You should. No, uh, Luca, it's such a pleasure to, to be on the podcast. And I, I'm very flattered to have such a, a, you know, a strong introduction. I think it speaks very well to the difficulty that I often have in, in defining myself, you know, because I love to consider myself a part of uh, the architecture world, you know, but I am not a licensed architect, you know, and in fact, only a couple of years into my Uh, architectural practice, I decided, you know, that this, this just was not, uh, for me, you know, in, in many ways. And, um, so I've managed to kind of hold on to these two worlds. You know, I work full time at Adidas and, uh, really enjoy that. You know, as a mentor of mine told me, I'm building houses for feet, which I think is very true. Uh, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it's really a pleasure to be. Uh, to be brought onto a podcast like this because it gives me an opportunity to to sort of talk more about uh, and define yeah what what it means to be an architect or not. We'll be talking about career switch, of course. Uh, I wonder first, like, what is the one advantage that we have as architects when we think about switching careers and maybe leaving architecture behind? Because very often it seems like we have none. I want to change that perception today. <laughs> It's definitely not a singular advantage. There is one that, that I think, um, is probably the most emblematic of, of an architectural skill set. And that is the ability to learn 
very quickly. The ability to mm. digest information that is from a totally unfamiliar realm. I am sure that you have had the experience as if, you know, any of the architects or architecture students listening to the podcast of sitting down and either going into a studio or going into the semester or listening to the options at the start of the semester and hearing studios that are based on you know, ice climbing in a, in a climate that you have no familiarity with or the migratory patterns of birds or, you know, the way in which, you know, space technology is, is going to affect some far off planet or, you know, we as architects, we are given these scenarios or we create these scenarios very often that are just absolutely beyond the realm of our expertise. And yet we are charged with going in and doing enough what I'll call user research, doing enough study of the site and the context and of the time period and whatever it is to be able to make very educated design decisions uh, within that context. And I think that we tend to diminish that skill set. Um, I, I know that at least from the architects uh, in, in my sphere, I can go with them to an event of any sort. And I'm always surprised about the myriad number of factoids and, you know, oddities that they come up with just out of seemingly out of thin air. Like, oh, did you know that this composer was actually, you know, X, Y, Z? And, and you think, why would an architect know this? And it is because we love learning. We practice architecture within so many contexts. And therefore, I think as you're looking at a career transition, one of the storytelling points of what can an architect bring to this role is, you know, I'm, I'm really not just an architect. And in fact, what an architect is, is so much more than you can imagine, right? It is someone who can take things that are fuzzy and disparate and blend them into a singular creative solution. And that's like a extremely powerful skill that I think a lot of other disciplines are lacking. Yeah, I love how you frame it. It sounds like a lot of soft skills in this sense. Like, of course, there is hard skills, there's softwares and stuff we learn to do and to operate in, in time, but a lot of soft skills as well. And that brings me then to, to a follow-up question, which is, which type of careers could benefit for from this soft skills being implemented? <laughs> the list is almost endless, Luca. It's mm -hmm. it's a very long list. Um, I think before I jump into the list of industries, I would say that um, I actually consider this kind of, you know, design centric problem solving to be a little bit more of like a logic based hard skill rather than a soft skill. I think in the sense that it is narrative, it is absolutely a soft skill. But in the other sense, um, you know, lawyers are, you know, these sort of logically bound individuals, right? And when you're studying to become a lawyer, at least in the United States, you take this series of, of tests. It's called the LSAT. And the way that you practice for that test is by doing puzzles, by doing logic puzzles and these games that essentially take you through a series of assumptions. And they say, you know, if person A, you know, understands this thing about person B, 
and person C knows this thing about person D, how many connections would we have to make, you know, for everyone to have perfect information or so on? And you, and you go on and you think, okay, well, you know, and then maybe that gets framed out as a case, right? And in fact, like in this murder trial, you know, we have this connection, we have this information, we have this. It is a soft skill in a sense that you're sort of like blending things together and you're parsing language and information, but practicing that logic series is what makes a good lawyer and practicing that through the lens of design, I think is what makes a really good architect is sitting down, looking at all the parameters of a problem, you know, whether that's dimensionality program, you know, whether the users, the, you know, the budget, any of these things like that is kind of a logic puzzle in and of itself. And it's really a skill that we practice, I think. So even though like being a good learner is, yeah, it's kind of an inherited trait in some ways, I think it's so innate in all architects that we can sort of set that aside and say that it is a practiced hard skill. Where you bring that is completely up to you. And uh, you mentioned at the at the beginning of the episode, Out, Out of Architecture, um, which I founded with my co-founder, Aaron Pellegrino, is a career consulting firm and uh, a resource for architects and designers who are looking to change careers. And that could be to move kind of within architecture, to move adjacent to architecture or fully out of architecture. And we have had clients go into film. We've had clients go into game design. We've had clients go into tech, UX, UI, product management. We've had clients go the developer route or to, uh, you know, to become owner's reps or go and work in retail design or workplace design or service design. We've had clients go into uh, furniture design and digital fabrication. It is... It is a vast number of industries and and titles. So when you ask for a list, quite a big list, huh? <laughs> yes, yeah, and that's only just scratching the surface, really. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm um I'm a big fan of your podcast tangents, which I think it kind of summarizes quite nicely uh, what is the range of opportunities out there. Um, maybe you could tell us a bit more about that, and more specifically, in these cases or the people you helped through out of architecture. What were the first steps, first important steps to take to step out of a role that doesn't fit you anymore in architecture and find something new? Yeah, thank you so much for for the kind words on tangents. Um, it's it's been a very, uh, very highly respected resource that we've managed to to put out into the world. And I think, um, you know, the premise of tangents is to show the many tangential ways pathways that people can take from from architecture and we're just ending season two now and uh, have almost filled out our slate of uh of people for season three so i'm really excited but in that context the goal is to kind of highlight the transitions and to show the ways in which people are taking what many would consider to be core skills of an architect and applying them across a huge range of professions the way that most people start, um, I think is, you know, there are a few stereotypes and maybe a few categories that we can boil this down to, but I don't think it's one universal truth, except that I do feel when architecture students leave school, 
each of us at some point within the first 10 years of our career, but more than likely in the first couple of years, has this very strong moment of realization that this is very different than what we thought it was going to be. This is very different than what we studied um, and the practice that we thought we were going into. Now, that being said, we still have clients that love the practice of architecture. And I know many architects who wouldn't leave the profession, uh, you know, for all the money in the world. Well, maybe, maybe all the money in the world, but, <laughs> but <laughs> be you honest, know, for on. a little more money, maybe they wouldn't leave. Um, and so that moment, I think, is a very small wound in kind of the, you know, the armor that protects architects from the reality of, of the rest of the world and also the reality of a lot of parts of the profession. And I think, you know, how quickly the rest of the armor falls apart is a sort of up in the air. And that could be, you know, immediately that it's, it's very obvious that this is something that's not a good fit for this individual. But, you know, we do have, um, we have a lot of clients that come to us with kind of this sense of, you know, I have tried to solve for the perfect career setting within architecture many times. And some of them have been at three, four, six different firms. They've tried different roles in architecture. They've, you know, um, put in the really, really long hours. They've, you know, tried to protect their work-life balance. They've done, you know, each of these things and they're still not able to feel a sense of fulfillment in their career and or excitement about the next step in the career. And I think that's one of the things that is often the biggest catalyst is people want to be looking forward to something. And very often um, I hear from younger or mid-level designers that they look up to the principals and partners in their firms and they really do not envy nor do they want to be in that position in, in 15 or 20 years. Um, and that's a really strong realization to think that your career trajectory is going to a place that you are not looking forward to. Um, that being said, that first step then is to make the realization that if you've tried everything within architecture, and even if you haven't, that there are alternative pathways that might actually be able to provide you with this creative fulfillment and maybe the title architect doesn't have to be part of a very fulfilling career or could be in some other way. Yeah. Jake, you said something quite interesting that I think really reflects our time. I mean, you said a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, I never say something interesting, so I'm happy to hear it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There was this one thing, you know, when you get the light bulb pop turning on, um, you said, Lots of people, lots of junior or mid-level designers look up to the principals, to the founders, to the partners and say, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to end up there. That's true. Like I'm noticing this a lot. I mean, I noticed this in Europe. I noticed this through, of course, all the friends in architecture we have, but that's quite a nice realization. It feels like almost that role was shaped on a different generation and somehow is not fulfilling those promises anymore. Um, so if I hear you right here, we're talking about a very important first step being 
being aware that there's other paths rather than just one, the one that was, you know, set for you when you when you decided to study architecture. Sorry, I just wanted to point that out. It felt like, okay, this, no, is, this is big. Absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And I think when we started out of architecture five and a half years ago, the awareness that that was even an option was nearly zero. I mean, I certainly did not graduate architecture school, um, you know, from a very prestigious bachelor's of architecture program, professional program, and hear from my mentors that, you know, I should explore other career avenues or even that there was an option to do so. It was very explicit that we were expected to go to the best firms, the best design mm -hmm. firms, um, you know, the biggest names and to work our way up into, you know, positions of leadership within the profession. It, you know, it really only came through a series of accidents, you know, that I discovered for myself that I was able to, you know, practice architecture, so to speak, in so many different contexts. Um, and after realizing how easy it was, <laughs> which, which <laughs> frankly, it was, it was not a very difficult, um, transition in, in a lot of senses. Um, you know, it made me realize that this, this should be something that everyone understands and has access to at least the information. Um, and we're very lucky that over the last five years, we've built enough of, uh, momentum around out of architecture that we can kind of show people what it means to transition and, and all the options that are out there. And actually I was uh, having a conversation with someone this week and, uh, they told me that the average architecture school here in the U S 50% of incoming architecture students are already saying that they do not intend to go into the architectural profession afterwards. Oh, excuse me. This is big. Uh, tell me it's again. 50 absolutely massive. Students? Yes. And I heard this from a couple of different um, career services uh, counselors, okay. uh, you know, many of whom we have great relationships throughout of architecture. We've been able to support a bunch of schools um, who maybe are less well resourced in the architecture department to help students transition to non-architecture firms. And I was having a conversation and they said, well, you know, in the, in recent years, uh, it's become more and more obvious that we need to focus on these other pathways. People are coming into the program at the school and even from day one are saying, you know, I really want to study architecture. I've always loved architecture. I've always loved buildings but I do not intend to be an architect when I graduate, which is, which is wild to me, you know, mm -hmm. especially from is completely uh, contradictory to my experience, but I have even seen it in students um, that in their second, third year, you know, they have enough information and understand, you know, to some degree what the profession is going to hold for them. And, they say, you know, that's not the kind of work that I'm interested in. You know, maybe it's much more um, technical or virtual. I have a lot of computational designers, for example, who really do not intend on going to an architecture firm, but rather intend on going to work for Samsung or Adidas or, you know, another sportswear brand or whatever it is um, and create beautiful product. And they go through the architectural degree and and everything that comes with it because it is in my opinion, is the best design degree that you can get. And 
don't you think then that the curricula of Architecture University should adapt to this? Like, I feel architecture was very resilient to change in a good and a bad way. And now we are embracing sustainability and so on. But very rarely there is a business course in, in, in architecture, while most architects end up being entrepreneurs themselves. So how do you see that? Like, what do you think is missing and we could implement today in our education? Hmm. That is a very loaded question and one that I have thought a lot about. Um, uh, you know, I waver back and forth over the years on, you know, how deeply I feel, um, you know, a business education could be integrated into that of architecture school. The entrepreneurial side of things, absolutely. Um, I was very fortunate that after my bachelor's of architecture degree, I went on for a post-professional degree called a master of design studies. Um, and in that was able to explore a bunch of technologies and learn unity and programming video games and all kinds of like very sort of fringe things in the architecture world. But after that degree, I was also very fortunate while I was working to be able to, uh, get my MBA online. Um, and I, I did a, a free MBA program. It's very different than paying for two Ivy League universities, really? but <laughs> yes. I didn't um, even know the, they existed. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, um, this was a, a startup called Smartly. They've since, uh, formed into a, a accredited school called Quantic School of Business and Technology. Um, mm -hmm. we absolutely, uh, both myself, Aaron, and actually my wife, who's also a recovering architect, Rachel, um, did degrees through that program. Um, and we have such a good relationship, actually, that we have an out of architecture scholarship for their MBA program. <laughs> but that's really a, that's a story <laughs> for another time, maybe. Um, but, you know, in doing that program, I really felt like this was it was a very empowering experience. At the time, I had decided um, that I was not going to pursue traditional architecture for the time being. I was working for a startup as the director of business development. And this was my first foray beyond, you know, traditional architecture. Um, and realizing that, you know, I could very easily adapt to doing the presentations and the demos necessary and speaking a very technical language to the software developers and, you know, all of these elements. And yet I was also learning about the actual business, you know, it was a seven, eight person business at the time. Um, and I was doing this, this MBA. I really felt, wow, you know, I'm missing so much information. You know, I really wish I'd gotten this in my, my architecture degree. Like, how could they not have taught us about, about this whole world? But I don't think I would have had the capacity in my five-year undergraduate program to really focus and understand and appreciate the business side of uh, the profession, I think it's it's very difficult to compress that into that length of time. And I understand five years is a very long time. But as a designer going in at, you know, 17, 18 years old into university, coming out at 22, 23 what you are building in that time frame is this amazing general set of design skills. And that could be, you know, the understanding of graphics. It could be design theory. It could be history. 
but mostly it's practice. Mostly it is being thrown into unfamiliar scenarios, the group projects that are inevitably like absolute nightmares. And <laughs> I think that those are very, very valuable skills. And I would say that I actually think many of those things were parts of the MBA program that I looked at and thought, oh, I already, I already know how to do this. You know, like the leadership section of the MBA, which is a very large portion of the course, you know, and talks about <clears throat> team management and, you know, the value of communication and all of this. I learned that live in architecture school. So I would say that there's a very strong lack of understanding of finances in architecture yeah. school, but the business side, I think, you know, we, we do innately know what is right. When we get into the profession, it gets clouded by the kind of historical, what is normal rather than what is right or what is the best for us as a, as a business or a company or individuals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit half and half. Um, I would really like to see, um, education promote itself differently rather than being, uh, an avenue for only the development architect. I would like for architecture to be a more holistic design degree that people can go and get and then leave and take to other places. Um, because I think that that is a very big missed opportunity, especially for schools, which run themselves as businesses by saying that we'll be able to get you a job when you graduate. So if they were to do that, they would have cornered a really strong part of the market. Um, the architecture firms might not like that at all, but that's, that's a different story. Yeah. But don't you think, so if I hear you right, you're saying on one end, we are not really ready when we are 18, 19, going to architecture school to receive this business education. And on the other, we kind of implicitly absorb it throughout the practice. But don't you think, for example, that mindset of using the medium to achieve a bigger goal rather than falling in love with the medium while we design it? Do you think we have that? Because I feel that very often in architecture, that's a bit missing. Like we love so much the design that we sometimes forget that that's a medium to achieve something else. And that will spare a lot of pain in practice. Hmm. Oh, Luca, you're breaking my heart. Um. <laughs> okay, this is the end of the first part of our conversation with Jake. If you want to hear the rest, just skip ahead, next episode, and see you there.